0: Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as
1: best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, we talk all the time about well-being, physical well-being and emotional well-being, because well-being is fundamental to our overall health of an individual, and they're imperative to all of us living our best life. But what about financial well-being? So financial well-being is about having the financial security to both meet your day-to-day needs and having the financial freedom to live the life that you want to enjoy. And prioritising your financial well-being is an important form of self-care because money plays such a significant role in our lives. Financial well-being includes understanding and nurturing our relationship with money as well as giving it the care and attention To create wealth. And I love wealth. Wealth is amazing. Wealth means choice. That's what I think anyway. I'm very, very happy to have money in my life. (laughs) Today I have on Hazel's sister, the fabulous Betsy Westcott, who I'm calling the queen of finance. (gasps) So, she's on the Zoom because of the COVIDs and also she's in Sydney and I'm in Newcastle. Betsy's going to give us some insights into our relationships with money and provide some great tips and advice on how we can have great financial well-being and grow our own wealth. Hey, Betsy. Hello. So great to
2: be here, Val. Even though we are apart, we <laughs> feel together.
1: It's exciting. <laughs> I love it. Together apart. Apart together. It's the joy of technology. So, thank you so much, Betsy. You're amazing. I have done a bit of research recently read about you and you've done such wonderful things with money and we want to know more about that. (laughs) How we can have more, how we can have more. So, you're a financial advisor and a financial wellness coach. So, tell us, Betsy, how was it that you got interested and got into the world of finance?
2: Yeah. So, I should say I don't practice as an advisor anymore, but Mm -hmm. I do practice as a financial wellness coach and we can get into the difference. that is, But finance, you know, I never... Really planned to be in finance. I didn't, you know, growing up, I wasn't like, yeah, let's be a banker. That's what (laughs) I want to be when I grow up. I had completely different plans, but kind of accidentally fell into banking when I came out of uni. I'd trained as a a hotelier, actually, and was planning to run beautiful hotels. But at the time, there was a bit of a maverick running NAP bank, actually. And he kind of believed if you got people that were degree qualified, but experts, in interacting with customers and, and creating really beautiful customer experiences, you could teach them banking and then hopefully change the culture of a bank. So he said about recruiting a bunch of people from hotels and I was one of those people. So kind of fell into the world of banking yeah. and was like, given the remit, um, go teach bankers how to be good to customers. And hopefully we had some success, but obviously, you know, there's still much, uh, much room to improve in that space. Yeah.
1: But I love that. That's great thinking though. That whole, the importance of relationship building, because, you know, that's one thing I've learned in life is the importance of building really great relationships so that we can actually do our do, whatever that is. And for me, it's, you know, running a charity and once upon a time having a photography business for for you and the banks, it's finance.
2: Yeah, oh, well, money's so personal. It's, it's such a fundamental part of our lives. Like you you really can't get too far without your cash, can you? Like there's not much yeah. you can do. You can live fairly off-grid maybe, but at some point in time you've got to interact with money and money is so so tied into our, our everyday lives. And it, it's more than a currency of exchange, isn't it? It's something that represents lots of different things to us. You know, there's a lot of emotion. It could be power, prestige, freedom. It could be a source of stress and shame. So being able to relate to people and understand the human behind the money, I think is really important to being kind of being good at your job in the world of finance. So, yeah, so I fell into it. I realized I loved it. You know, contrary to popular belief, personal finance isn't that complicated.
1: To the layperson. it seems it.
2: <laughs> I know, but you know what? That really suits financial services for it to seem that way. But honestly, particularly personal finance, like if you got through grade five math, you have all the smarts you need to be able to manage your own finances and, and create financial well-being. I mean, yes, there are complicated transactions out there that you can get into, but, the you know, ensuring you have enough money to meet your day-to-day needs, being able to save and invest for your future, you know, all of those sorts of things, it's really simple math. You can all do it. It's just being taught how to do it, which most of us never get taught. So that's the key difference. And yes, I just loved it. And I think I'd always understood now that I look back the importance of money and how it impacts your quality of life. When I was younger, my parents ended up separating when I was about six or seven My mum moved to North Queensland with my three brothers and I and had to go back to work to support the family. And she was a nurse, which is very important work in the community, but as we know, not very well paid unfortunately. But, you know, she was really good at just personal finance and, and making ends meet. And not to say it wasn't challenging, but, you know, she was very good at you know paying off her home loan, um, never borrowing money that she couldn't pay back on her credit card and, and just being really diligent around investing and looking at super and making a plan to retire. And what she was able to achieve was to pay off a home, always own a car, send three kids to Semi private school. Yeah. And and then she retired at sixty-five with enough money to see out her days. It's not a huge swag of cash. But because of those behaviours, really simple behaviours, um, you know, she's retired ahead of friends of hers that have been like doctors and surgeons and still need to keep working even though they've earned a lot more money than her because they're not ready to retire yet. They haven't kind of put the parameters in place. So I love working in finance and helping people understand that because if, you, if you've if you got that just those basic fi- fundamentals in finance... You can absolutely design a life you love and it's not about how much you earn or anything like that. It's a lot around just your behaviours and and how you prioritise
0: money in your life. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast.
1: Now, you touched on something a couple of minutes ago and you were talking about, you said something about people's, relationship with money and how they view money you know some people are, you would go yeah they're really great with money and some people say they're not it burns a hole in their pocket so where does our relationship with money come from?
2: Yeah it's interesting some research by ANZ um, that they do each year around financial literacy and well-being in Australia found that for most of us our thoughts feelings and behaviors around money are often formed by the age of eight Wow. I don't know about you, but eight-year-old me did not know what was up in the world. (laughs) She really didn't have much of a clue, at least compared to now. So that's really interesting because, you know, when you think about that, okay, well, what did I know at eight? I'd, I'd heard conversations. I'd seen my family members behaving with money and whilst we do have additional experiences as we get older, those really early messages and behaviours around money and what it means in the world and what it means to have it or not have it and how to to utilise it really shape a lot of our financial outcomes. So one thing I love to tell people is that, you know, this money mindset, I often refer to it as a mindset. So the thoughts, feelings and behaviours we have around money, it's not your fault. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) but one thing is is that if you have a mindset that is not supporting you to create financial well-being then it's it's only your responsibility to change it nobody else is going to care about your money like you will care about your money and no one else can change that for you you've got to you've got to do the work yourself
1: which is super empowering because it's like you have the power to do that you have the power to change that 100% and I think
2: it's taking the time to kind of understand money is so much more than just a currency as I said like we'd like to think it's just you know dollars and notes and coins and so forth but like I said money is often like a really taboo topic that prevents us from talking about it and learning about it we all have access to money in terms of like we all have to use it we all earn it but often we're not taught what to do with it. And it's, it's kind of like if we were all given keys to a car but didn't have to go through our driver's licence training, you know, some of us might figure out how to drive the car really well. A lot of us would have a few crashes and bumps and pranks along the way. And it's, yeah. it's bizarre to me that we don't, as a society, spend more time learning and educating ourselves about money, given it's such a fundamental part of the fabric of society.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because I I have reflected on this with my husband. It's funny growing up when I was a kid. I'm the eldest of four kids, so we had quite a large family. And you know, I remember as a kid, always it was always like, "Oh no, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. I really want to do, but I listen, so we can't afford that." You know, and I think I can say this. I'd say that my parents were were probably fairly risk adverse when risk averse sorry when it came to like investments that sort of thing my parents never had investment properties my dad had a really great job which was awesome but yeah it's really interesting how so to me like money can seem quite like I get quite nervous around the thought of investing or whatever but then my husband he grew up with a family where his dad and his brothers and now himself are all business owners. They all own their own business. And so they're like, they view money so differently. Like they love it. They get it. They totally, when I say take risks, but you know, they would invest in, and you know, in property or whatever, like they are so different. I like, I've really noticed that. And we've talked about that going, wow, it's, it's really interesting how that does shape your younger years. You know, it shapes your perception of how you can, like I, I, I have this thing I'm like, I'm not great with money. I'm not great with money. But I'm like going, oh well, I'm really lucky. My husband's really good with money. And he's grown up with like how, you know, you make money work for you. It's interesting.
2: We never stop ourselves to say, is that true? Like, am I actually not great with money? Like what what experiences do I have to prove or disprove that? You know, that's something I spend a lot of time with with clients as a money coach, is actually unpicking some of our truths or you know actual lies that we tell ourselves about money that whole money mindset thing is a really important part of financial well-being i can teach you all the theory but if your head and heart does not support and believe that you can be good with money that you can create financial well-being you'll self-sabotage all the time it's it's a, it's amazing how impactful that is i i kind of say like your money mindset if you were imagining constructing a house the mindset part is like the foundations of the house. We're, and, you know, it's not pretty or sexy. Um, it's where all the wiring and the cement goes in. But if those aren't strong, the rest of the house is going to be shaky. And so actually investing time in, in understanding what is your money mindset or money personality, and then if it isn't healthy or supportive, spending some time reframing that is, is a really important sort of first step on the journey to financial well-being.
1: Yeah. So, how do you do that? If you did, I mean, I've heard people throw around the terms like, oh, they've got an abundance mindset or they've got a poverty mindset. I mean, I don't know if there's all different categories of mindsets, but they're two that I have heard people talk about. Okay. So, say for example, if you do have a perceived poverty mindset if that's even a thing how do you shift that how do you reframe it what 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 can people do besides come and see you Betsy which I'm sure that that, (laughs) you'll totally help them do that Um, No,
2: look, on my website, I've got a little money personality quiz. So that could be a great thing to start. And it's a bit of fun is to create a little bit of awareness, like what are my money habits? What are my money beliefs? Even just reflecting like, again, like I've got some little stuff that I can share around money mindset cards. Like what's your earliest money memory? What do you think of rich people? What... Does managing your money, you know, feel like if you won 50000 what would you do? Like just really understanding some of those patterns and, and trying to really pick out what are the messages I give myself about money. And if it's something like I'm no good with money, Physically rewrite that bad boy <laughs> into something that is empowering and and is encouraging and inspiring to you. So, you know, instead of being like, I'm really bad with money, even just start telling yourself, I have all the smarts within me to create financial well-being for myself. Every day I'm learning, every day I get better. And just even putting like that as a note in your wallet or on your screensaver, that's a great first step to reframing that. Another thing could be like, whenever you do do something good around your money, celebrate it, give yourself a little reward. I mean, like, You know, don't go crazy. Um, (laughs) Might be a glass of wine or you know something like that. Probably not a trip to Ibiza on the credit card. Wouldn't recommend. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. contents. But you know, associate good things with money, and when you do practice financial well-being whether it's you know checking in on your accounts or reviewing your insurance or paying yourself first and putting money towards a goal that's really exciting to you why don't you give yourself a pat on the back we're so quick to like badger ourselves and and condemn ourselves and say we're doing the wrong thing but celebrate when you do
0: the right thing as well
1: oh beautiful i love that let's get
0: soulful on social media
1: Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make with money?
2: Yeah, well, um, (laughs) not paying attention to it is one. Okay,
1: that's a a good one.
2: Yeah, you know, just head in the sand like, la, la, la. You know, you ignore your money, your money will ignore you. I like Um, it. (laughs) Another one's just like, not taking the time to learn about the fundamentals of finance. I'm like, there's just so much information out there. There's great podcasts like this, there's books, there's courses, there's everything. And, you know, money is no longer the realm of, you know, bankers in suits, you know, with, you know, boring jargon filled kind of presentations. There's Lots of people out there that can make money really engaging and relatable. therefore Invest is a great one. He he made money relatable and understandable for everyone and, and that's why he's such a legend in my opinion. Yeah. Is because he finally got people interested because he talked to them in a way that they understood. It drives me nuts in finance that so much jargon is used because it just makes you sound smart, but no one understands what you're saying, so what's the point yeah. of talking? <laughs> 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 you know? So ignoring it and also like not... Talking about it with their partners is a really big one. I see, you know, love and money, fights around finance or misalignment around financial goals is number one reason for divorce. It's, you know, yeah. you think it'd be fidelity or you know, something like that. Nah, it's all money. Money. It's all money. Hmm. Oh. So take wow. time to kind of talk to your partner about money, talk about your own money behaviors, and then formalize away how are you guys going to act as a financial team in your relationship. What roles are you going to play? What are the joint goals that you're going to have? How are you going to manage it on today? How do you make big decisions? Like, I wish that was like a pre-marital requirement (laughs) for a lot of people because it would just help so much. I could go on. There's, There's lots of little things that we all do, but yeah. Yeah, just not prioritizing it as a part of our kind of essential life skills is a big one.
1: Do you know, you would have heard of Susie Orman, a financial guru. I'm going to call her a guru. She's pretty big over in the States. And I saw her speak at a Louise Hay House conference in Sydney. I must have been about eight years ago. And she is like a, like, she's like Judge Judy, the hard-ass American woman. She tells it how she sees it. And it was really interesting seeing her talk about money and, you know, and how she built her career, that sort of thing. But it's interesting because she said two things that have always stuck with me. So one, she was like, do you know what? You should not have credit card debt. So, she was very much like, you know what, if you can't afford it, don't buy it. If you have to whack things on your credit card because you can't afford it, you should not buy it. That was one. And number two, I remember she said that, especially for women, she was directing this at women, she said that every woman should have at least six months worth of her wages in savings in her bank account. Because she said, if ever something happens and you, you, you lose your job, that it's takes on average about six months for you to get a new job so she said you need to have a minimum six month wages in your bank account at any one time so if anything happens you've got that in backup I don't remember hearing that going they're actually two kind of fairly simple straightforward things you know that, that anyone can kind of like strive to do.
2: Yeah, that's one of my favorite Judy <laughs> Orman quote out there is women fake orgasms, men fake finances. <laughs> <laughs> what she's saying there is that we often as women, we've been really excluded from the world of finance traditionally. Like, you know, wine back to the seventies, a woman couldn't open her own bank account without the permission of her father or her husband. <laughs> you know? It's crazy. Um, and Yeah, you chuck finance into Google, you get a sea of blue, lots of serious men in suits, lots of charts, and you're like, where are all the women? Um, And that's changing, which is really great. And actually, women are really good at finances. We actually make better investments than men. And there's a lot of studies that are showing this. And what I say by better investors, we often outperform with our investment returns. And the reason is, is we take time to research. We don't mind asking for advice. We're likely to start create a plan because we have a plan. We stick to the plan and as of that, we actually on average get better investing returns. So it's a little surprising truth bomb is ladies, we're actually bloody good with money when we give ourselves half a chance and permission to be good with money and and to be financial literate. But back to Susie's points. Yeah, so... Financial well being is actually quite simple. There's, there's a couple of things that make it up. First of all, is having enough money to meet your day to day needs. So that's literally just do not spend more than you earn. So if you're making a thousand bucks a week and you spend $999, happy days. If you make a thousand bucks a week and you spend $102, you're in pain. You're in yeah. trouble because you're spending more than you earn and it's going to hurt eventually. So that's rule number one. Rule number two is have enough money set aside to withstand a financial shock. And that's what Susie's talking about with that six months. And I, you know, there's lots of different ways to describe this. It's emergency savings, rainy day fund. I call mine the OMG account. I've also called it the F off fund if I need a bad partner or a bad job or a bad landlord or a bad you name it to get stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but the money to throw it the problem so you know what call it whatever makes you feel good and excited about it long story short, just have some have something set aside because two out of three australians and this is pre COVID pandemic can't find, and this is research from CBA, can't find $500 in an emergency, which means a lot of people are very financially vulnerable to surprises. And if there's anything that the last 18 months has shown us is that surprises happen.
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah. So if you have like $1,000 just sitting in an account that's separate from your everyday money and there for emergencies, Great. That's a great start. If you can build it up to that three to six months of wages, that's really exciting. That's when you really have financial freedom because if something happens, it doesn't derail your life. You don't have to pull out the credit cards. You don't have to reach out to friends or family to borrow money. You don't have to move house, sell your belongings, things like that. It creates what I call financial resilience, which is really fucking exciting. (laughs) I recommend for, for everyone that they have this fund personally, as a, as a woman, I think it's really important to have your own little fund as well as something with your partner, if you're a partnered person, but I just think, you know, a little bit of control over a lady's money is never a bad thing. So, you know, always have, have two is my advice. Do with it what you will, it's free, but I always think have a little bit of a stash. And then the third part of financial well-being, and if you can say yes to these three things, you're financially well. The third part is that you're actively putting money toward your long-term goals. And that can be savings, that can be investments. Both are just strategies. Goals are what you're going for. You're working toward creating a better future for yourself, whatever that looks like for you. So if you can say, yep, yeah, I can meet my day-to-day needs, yeah, I've got some cash in the bank to withstand a financial shock yet yeah, I'm actively putting money toward my long-term goals. You, my friend, have financial well-being. Put your arm out, bend your elbow, pat yourself on the back. You are doing good.
1: I love it. And do you know what? I'd love some feedback from um, any Soul Sisters that are listening to this. Maybe shoot us a message on Instagram or something like that because we'd love some feedback as to, you know, if that's something that you are able to do. And if not, and you might need some advice, you can reach out to Betsy and I'm sure Betsy would love to work with you and help make that happen.
0: Want to fill your yourself- soul? With more, go to the sisterco.com.
2: What's your take on debt? Ah, well, there's good debt and bad debt. Debt can be a real accelerant of wealth creation. Debt can be a real accelerant of pain. How do you how do you know the difference between the two? And, and what is debt? Debt is when instead of paying something with your own money, your own cash, you're borrowing money from someone else or somewhere else to facilitate it. So the definition of good debt or bad debt is simply this. Good debt is money that you've borrowed to purchase something that increases in value. And, and typical characteristics of this debt is that it's quite a low interest rate and interest is just the cost that of, of borrowing that money. It's like the rent on your money yeah. <laughs> the interest yeah. is. and that's usually quite low on good debt. So, you know, if you're borrowing money to buy an asset that increases in value, like a house, you might buy part ownership in a company, shares, things like that. You know, that, that's usually a good good sort of investment because it's going to go up in time. It's not always guaranteed, but typically goes up. Um, or money to educate yourself. So if you are borrowing money to increase your skill set so you can earn more money, that's usually good debt. And again, it's usually low interest rate. So something under 5% interest is usually quite cheap and not, not costing you too much money. So that's good debt. Bad debt. Is money that you borrow to buy something as that goes down in value as soon as you buy like a car,
1: like a car or something like that.
2: Yeah, I usually say you own it, you wore it, you drank it, you went there, you drove it. So yeah, cars, holidays anything that's like consumable, clothes, washing machines, things like that, money borrowed for those sorts of things. And they're typically expensive. So something like 10% or more is very expensive debt, which is why credit cards are expensive. The average interest rate on a credit card in Australia is about 18.7%. That's bloody expensive, right? Yeah. Especially when you think that's the rent you're paying on your money. And if you compare that to like, okay, I've got $1,000 and I can invest it and it can earn money or I can pay off a credit card where I'm paying for that, Right over the last 50 years, the average return on shares, on Australian shares, has been around that 8 9% mark. So, by putting that money into an investment, the most that you're going to get back on average is about 8 or 9%, right? Um, versus by having that money sitting in debt, you're losing about 18% every year. So, It's costing you so much more than you could earn by investing it. What does that mean? It's taking you financially backwards and fast. So... That's why prioritizing paying off high interest debt or bad debt is really, really important. So I think credit cards, personal loans, car loans, sometimes you buy now, pay later accounts, depending on the fee structure. If it's a long-term fee structure or you're paying lots of fees, that can be bad as well. If you pay it off on time, it's not so bad. But if you're not paying it off on time, that's when it gets expensive. So those are your bad debts. And before you start investing and growing your wealth, you want to make sure that you've paid those things off because of how expensive they are and how they're really just taking you backwards. Whilst you've got those things sitting there, you're like running in treacle. You know? Yeah. It's hard hard yeah. to get ahead.
0: To prioritise those bad boys. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast.
1: Lastly, Do you have any just kind of like top tips for just day to day for people to manage their money? Anything that you that you would like to share?
0: Yeah.
2: So, first of all, associate good times with prioritizing your financial well-being. So, every time I do something good with my money, you know, I I reward myself reasonably. (laughs) And if I'm checking in with my money, I like, I create a good mood around it. You know, I'll have music on, I'll have a glass of wine. I'll, you know, if it's a chat I'm having with my husband, we'll do it in a fun setting so that you have positive associations with your money. Don't make it a chore. Don't make it painful. Yeah. (laughs) Make it fun. I love spending it. I love nurturing it too. So I want you to do the same. Second thing is, and this is probably one of the first things that I learned that really changed my life financially, which was every time I earned money, I paid myself first. What does that mean? Most of us, when we get money, we pay Mr. Vodafone, Ms. Mortgage, you know, or rent, Uh, you know, we pay out to the supermarket calls. Everyone gets paid before we get paid because most of us will earn money, pay bills, spend it, and then save whatever's left over. But the real game changer is when you can save first, pay yourself first, and then pay all your bills. And, like, why shouldn't you prioritise yourself? you earned the money, you did the hard work, you should get paid first. So so try and create that habit. Big money tip is if you have any high interest debt, prioritize paying it off. I was working with a client just the other day. She had about $15,000 in credit card debt and was just paying the minimum repayment that they say like, here's your minimum. And I showed her by doing that, it was going to take her over fifty eight. dollars years to pay off that credit card and cost her it was fifteen thousand it was going to cost her about sixty grand in interest. Wow. Simply by doubling the repayment she was making, she would pay it off in two and a half years. And if she tripled the repayment, she would have it paid off in a year and save herself like 57 years, but also about 50 grand in interest kind of thing. There's really great calculators online. Moneysmart.gov.au is a free website made by the government, by um, ASIC, Australian Securities Investment Commission. It's one of my favourite websites. It has amazing money resources for free. And because it's made by the government, no one's trying to sell you anything, which I personally love. And they have everything. They have like uh, how to financially prepare to have a puppy. I mean, like great advice. Yes, give me a 101 on how to finance buying a dog.
1: (laughs) Puppies are expensive. Yeah,
2: they really are. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a good one to do a little planning around, particularly like in locked. Everyone's like, let's get a puppy. And it's like, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last one is just, yeah, learn how to grow your money. So most of us are good and get savings, women especially, we're really good savers. The conversation that we don't have is how do I grow my wealth? How do I multiply my money? So investing in learning how to invest actually is the real game changer. And like I speak to so many women, they're like, I'm not an investor. I was like, do you have a super fund? They're like, yeah. I was like, Uh congratulations, you're an investor. But just learning how to do that because... That's the thing that's going to create financial freedom and it's very achievable. It's not as hard as you think, but you just need to spend a little bit of time getting educated, but you can do it hundred
1: uh-huh. percent. So, Betsy, tell us about your Money bootcamp and some of the services that you provide if people need some help and they want to reach out to you.
2: Yes. So this is where I'll come back to explaining what's a financial coach. So I have trained as a financial advisor, but I don't practice as one. I practice as a coach. So a financial advisor will tell you exactly what to do with your money, where to invest it, how to spend it, what insurances you need. And they're a really important service in Australia. They're also more expensive and they cost for the, because it's a very regulated industry and to give that personalised advice requires a lot of expertise, it costs about $3,500 to consult with a financial advisor. A financial coach, which is what I do, focuses more on education. So I focus on teaching you the fundamentals of finance and helping you address money mindset so that you can start making empowered decisions yourself and for most of us education is like 75 percent of the way there honestly i do think financial advice is really important and there's definitely a time and place for all of us to get financial advice but spending that time building the foundations around finance around mindset how to manage your cash flow, you know, what what is investing, what are those fundamentals, um, how do I buy a house, like what's involved and why would I buy a house? You know, what are the different insurances that I should think about to protect myself? What are wills and, you know, powers of attorney and estate planning and prenups? What does superannuation do? That's where I play in that education so that you can make better decisions. So my boot camp is on those six topics, basically. <laughs> it covers... Everything you wish your parents or school or someone had taught you about finance and really helps you create a really strong foundation, build confidence. And if later down the track you want to engage with a financial advisor, you can actually go in feeling a lot more confident because you've got the basics of finance down pat you know what good advice looks like and you know what they should be doing for you, which I think is a, is a much better foundation to build a relationship on um, than going in without knowing anything. And you're like, I don't know if they're, talking about it. I have no idea. Here's yep. my money. <laughs>
1: That's so, great. So, then how can people contact you?
2: Instagram, I'm at Ms. Betsy Westcott. LinkedIn, you'll see my professional profile because I actually do financial coaching for fun. Um, I've got a full-time job and then I do this because it brings me joy. Um, so, you can find me on LinkedIn. And then my website, just betsywestcott.com. I do a money makeover bootcamp. So there's one coming up on the 31st of August. It's going to be my last one for the year. Girl is about to become a mama. And oh! So I'll be taking some time off between November and Feb, but I'll be back. But I also do coaching for couples around that. How do we become a financial team? I talk to lots of clients around that. And then I also do one-on-one. So if you want a little bit, something that's more catered to you, then um, I can also help you with one-on-one coaching.
1: Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you for coming on and sharing those little tips with Hey Soul Sister and ladies, reach out to Betsy if you want to be better educated and empowered to make great financial decisions and grow your own wealth. Thank you so much for
2: having me. I love talking about this. I hope everyone got to take away one thing and can do one thing today to prioritise their financial well-being.
0: Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life Journey. Email melissa at thesisterco.com